taking a little bit of time and talking for a few weeks on, a, on the Wednesday night about things that uh, need to be passed on to the next generation. And we have a few things here that we find in Proverbs chapter 23, beginning in verse number 19. Uh, we need to teach our children, and the next uh, generation needs a model and a mentor. Uh, mentoring, modeling, show and tell is the most effective way to communicate, is when you can show it and you can tell it, when you're a mentor and when you're a model. And uh, what happens, it frustrates a child, it frustrates the next generation when people hear it, they understand it, but they don't see it in their leaders. It really creates a lot of damage. And we need to really be good models. And these are things that need to be taught, that need to be modeled as well. Number one, learn to listen. Verse number 19, uh, he says, Hear thou my son, and be wise, and, let, and uh, guide thine heart in the way. Number two, we need to be guarding our friendships and companionships. Be not among wine-bibber. We've talked about that already. Verse number 21, he says, Drowsiness will clothe a man with rags, uh, being diligent, hardworking, uh, teaching it and modeling that. Uh, these are things. Learn to listen. Learn to pick your friends well. Uh, be diligent. Uh, let's see here. We look here real quickly at verse number 24. Let's read it out loud together. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth the wise child. Very good. And then, of course, let's look at verse number 22. Back up. Hearken to thy father when that beget thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Uh, children, and everybody needs to learn to care for our aging family members. The Bible said this is where true piety is shown in caring for your aging family members. They cared for you when you were little. God expects you to requite your parents. That's what First uh, Timothy chapter 5 reminds us of. And this needs to be taught and communicated in regards to that. And then we need to, if we can please, look at verse number 23. I skipped it a little bit there. By the truth, we need to value um, abstract but eternal attributes over the material nasty now and now. That is something all of us have a problem with. We want to get more stuff, have more things, and get more earth junk. When we really need to value eternal things like, like by the truth, sell it not, wisdom and understanding, vital to the important uh, things that we need to learn. Then if we look at verse number 26, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. And yielding uh, our hearts to our parents. Most of our teenagers are not in here tonight, but if we have children here, you need to still give your hearts to your parents. And parents, you need to ask for their heart. You need to ask for help me. Uh, the other day I was talking to one of my boys, and I said, I appreciate you doing things I ask you to do even though you don't agree with me. And he said, Dad, that hurts me because I want to agree with you all the time. And it was, a, it was a minor thing. He goes, I don't want to do something that you don't agree with. But he said, I thank you. I, I want to do what's right even if I, don't, I have my own opinion about what needs to be done. But that's a good way for a young person to say, you know, I, I, want, I want you to have my heart. I want your thinking, your feeling, and your desires to be mine. And uh, that needs to be asked for by parents. Seems like Solomon asked for it. I think it's a good idea for our, our, us to look at our kids and tell them, listen, I know mom and dad are not perfect, but let me help you shape your thinking, your feelings, and your desires. And uh, let's do that. And then the Bible says, let your eyes observe my ways. And one thing the next generation needs desperately is a good example. Someone that we, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. 
Hebrews chapter 13, it tells us we're supposed to submit ourselves to our spiritual leaders and uh, considering their conversation, considering the way they live. And it ought to be very obvious that, that uh, if you're a leader, you should be able to say, do as I do, you know, walk this way. Because uh, leaders should know the way, they should show the way, and they should go the way. It's all a part of leadership and a part of parenting and helping the next generation. Those are a little way of review. Let's look at the next verse, if you would, please. After he talks to him about observing his ways, look at 27 and 28. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as a prey, as for a prey, and increases transgressors among men. In this process of things he wants to talk about and talk his child, he doesn't skip over. He's going to skip the next lesson. The next thing is about alcohol. The rest of the chapter uh, you'll see is about uh, describing the woes of, of drinking alcohol. But here he gives two verses to talk about morality, immorality, fornication, the strange woman. A strange woman is someone's not your woman. <laughs> that someone's not yours. Uh, and, and, but, but you can see strange woman. When you see the strange woman, you can just almost always say, fornication or adultery. It's, it's immorality. A strange woman represents that throughout the Bible, and especially in the book of Proverbs. I'm going to draw your attention, if you would please, to go to chapter 5. Chapter 5, and we're just going to walk through this as long as time will allow us. Proverbs chapter number 5, and everybody turn there, if you would please. You'll need to see this, and, and it's nothing new. Some of you who read Proverbs every day, you'll read it 12 times a year. You'll read chapter 5 12 times a year. But uh, we see here the, uh, the, uh, the, the writer and the instrument that God uses, Solomon here, is challenging his son. And, and by the way, so his son heard it, understood what his dad said, but his dad became a wise fool. He didn't practice it. He had multiple wives and concubines and immorality was, was uh, what embodied ultimately Solomon. These things were written before he got into that wickedness, but it, it's, it, is, it is a very serious thing. But let's look at chapter 5, and let's just let's analyze this early warning and uh, challenge that he gives to his son. Verse number 1, My son, attend to my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and thy lips may keep knowledge. So he just challenges his son, listen to me, let my, let my, 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 my thoughts sit deep inside of you, he asks him. Now he says in verse number 3, by the way, I know who I'm talking with today, I know, I know that anybody, and, and I'm not beyond falling morally. I, I, I grieve to even think about that. I'd rather die. I'd rather you hear that Pastor Wilkerson died than he failed morally. I'd rather that to be the case. I, I, and I, I just, I, I grieve to think about it. But uh, at the same time, moral failure is extremely complicated, and moral temptations, immoral temptations are very rampant. They're rampant in they're women have issues with pornography. Men have issues with pornography. Right in this room, no doubt that's happening. Uh, there's, there's texting going on between people in this room and someone that's strange, someone that is, uh, that's immoral. And it's, it, 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 I'm sure that's the case. I don't know anybody like that. But I do know that these are things that are very, and you can't read Paul's epistles without him talking about fornication, adultery, morality, everyone just about. 
He has to give some attention to this because it is prevalent. It's a prevalent temptation in our society, and it's on steroids right now. Years ago, pornography would be, you find it in a, in a store, or you bought it and found it in an alley, or some old abandoned trailer, or something like that. That's, you don't have to go looking for that now. It's on your phone. It's on your iPad. It's on, it'll pop up so quick, whether it be something that's very, very graphic and wicked or just something that is, um, that is um, you know, just soft and, uh, and just not modest, modest. And by the way, I'm just going to say a quick shout out here for ladies who choose to, to dress modestly. And I, I do believe that whenever we put clothes on, we wear clothes for, for protection and that's one of the key reasons God gave us uh, clothes. But the second reason he gave us clothes, I think, is for modesty, for covering. And I thank God for ladies who choose to be modest. Clothing also should be a mark of distinction. The world wants to uni- unisex movement. He wants, I-, I saw some people in the airport today, and I wasn't sure if that was a girl or a guy. You're not sure. Looking in the back, you're not sure. Looking in the front, sometimes you're not sure. They want, they want to have everything the same. Oftentimes you got girls running around in suits and ties. And then you got guys running around in, 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 in feminine uh, skinny jeans and pants and all that. But another reason for dress, it ought to be obviously distinction. And you, girls need to protect and, and cover and, and, and think about the sexual zones of the body so that that's not. That's not something that, that your clothes bring attention to. There ought to be a distinction there. There ought to be, ought to, there ought to be also, I, I do believe, I still think that guys ought to, ought to dress like men. I think ladies ought to dress like ladies. And it ought to be something that you decide. And it's not a rule of the church. It's something that God brings you to. I have a precious lady that she got saved. And it wasn't too long after she got saved. I stopped by and saw her. And she came to the door. She said, Pastor... Would you give me a second, please? And she went, and she, she went and got on a dress. And she said, Pastor, I see what the ladies dress is, but more than I see, the Spirit of God's telling me I need to make a decision. And I want to make sure, I, I, if, if you're coming to my house, I want to dress modestly. And if you're not here, I want to dress modestly. And dress with, dress with distinction. And dress with a testimony. You are, your testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it ought to be so obvious you belong to the Lord. And you're not dressing for, for, for me. You're not dressing for your friends. You're dressing for the Lord. It's, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And how you attire is very, very important. And we find here in this passage, chapter 7, that there was an attire of a harlot. There was a way in which a lady could dress and she could attract the innate, uh, innate desires of a man that were, that were natural but immoral outside of their own, own relationship with their spouse. And so we find that that's the case, and I thank God for that. Look at verse number three, would you? For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. He said, he said you, you'll see that the talk of a strange woman is suspect, and her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. That it can it gets into it gets into into very increase in could, could create some violence. How many how many violent acts take place because of immoral affairs? You can see that it goes very deep in that way. Number five. 
Her feet go down to death and her steps take hold on hell. This is immorality. This is what immorality does. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable. Thou canst not know them. He said, you get yourself in, 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 into immoral things and after a while, you're not controlling it. It's controlling you. And, and it, it takes you into places you never thought you would be in, the situations you never thought you'd be in. The immorality is a moving target. It's, it, it's movable. You can't ever tell where you're going to end up. You start off with something just soft or something that, is, that seems innocent, and it doesn't stay innocent. When sometimes at nighttime, young people are texting people, and there's just not too much good happening after 10 o'clock on your phone. And you're going to get yourself into stupidity, stupidity thing. Something could be a casual thing, ends up being very wicked and immoral. You can't tell where it's going to go. That's what the Bible says. Now look at verse number 7. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Listen to me, and don't let what I'm telling you get out of your head. Listen to it and stay on the track. Verse number 8. Remove thy way far from her, from an immoral situation. Be pure. Purity is smart. Immorality is stupid. He said, well, stay away from immorality and come not nigh the door of her house. Don't. You can't handle sin. You can't handle temptation to sin. Uh, I think it's in the, Lord's, in the Lord's model prayer there. Deliver me from what? Temptation. He said, he said, he said don't, don't even get near the door of the house. Don't get near the front of where that, where that strange, immoral person lives. In that situation, verse number nine, here's what will happen. Here's the cost of immorality. Lest thou give thine honor unto others. Someone who respects you today, you get into immorality, they won't respect you tomorrow. You'll, you'll lose respect. You'll lose respect yourself. You'll lose respect among your peers, among your, among your subordinates. It takes away. It's so quick. I can go from being pastor to John real fast. I can go from being pastor to Wilkerson real fast. Immorality. As Tiger Woods, he wasn't a preacher. He lost a lot. He lost a lot with an immoral activity. Kobe Bryant years ago, and we, we magnify these folks that are, that are athletic in, in ability, but a lot of them are very perverse. We want to paint over it because they can do some athletic event. And truth of the matter is, uh, immorality is an issue. And, and the cost of immorality, you give your honor to others. What's the next thing the Bible says? We give our honor to others and thy years unto the cruel. You have years to contemplate your regret and years to face the, the, the situation over and over again. It doesn't go away quick. Matter of fact, you look across the page, you look at chapter 6, if you would please, in verse number 32. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, and he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul, really messes himself up. Look at verse 33 and read it with me. 6 verse 33. A wound and dishonor shall he get. We're talking about things to help our children understand. You want to mess around with immorality, you're going, to, you're going to lose your honor. You give your honor to somebody else. Some, whatever you get to do now, someone else will be doing that later. You'll give your years to the cruel. The cruel, angry, frustrating people will continue to remind you of your sin. And your own thoughts will have years of regret. Why in the world did I do that? Why would I continue in that sin? 
Look at the next thing the Bible tells us in verse number nine, or verse number uh, 10. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth. It'll cost you financially. He said, people that you don't even know, that, that, that motorcycle you have in your garage, someone else is going to be riding that one for a fraction of the amount. The things that you accumulated with hard work, you and I want to mess around with immorality, somebody else will enjoy the wealth that you accumulated, the things that you had, not only in finances, but certainly, I think, in many other ways. Thy labors in the house of a stranger, the things you work for, well, now somebody else will be enjoying that. Somebody else will be calling your, your kid's dad. Somebody else will be calling your, 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 uh, your um, mom. I'm going to mess around with immorality. He said, the treasures you have, it will be strangers taking care of things that you had once. These are the byproducts of that. Look at verse number 11. Thou shalt mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are what? It'll affect you physically. It'll mess with your body. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that every sin that a man do is without the body. You can steal. It doesn't affect you physically unless someone catches you and beats the snot out of you or something like that. Okay, you can lie. It doesn't affect you physically. But you commit immorality and it has an effect on your psychological, your physical uh, health, your mental health, it messes with you in ways that nothing else will do. He said, your body, your flesh will be consumed. These, these ridiculous things, HIV and gonorrhea and herpes and all these STDs, they've just made up hundreds of them, it seems like. There's just hundreds of different venereal diseases, and it goes back to an immorality. Abortion. Abortion, you know, we're fighting about uh, fighting with, with, with liberal thinkers about um, rape and incest. That is such a small fraction of any abortions anyway. It's such a small fraction. Most abortions are, are birth control. They're just, it's, just, it's just someone who wants to have immorality and not have the responsibility that comes with that. They want to they kill the baby. Because they're not, re- they're not ready for that. Or they, they didn't know that was going to happen. And it creates all kinds of problems. Violence, as the Bible tells us here, is a part of the immorality. Verse number 12. And say, how have I hated instruction? And my heart despised reproof. One day you're going to look back. If we fail morally and we live in an immoral state, we won't kick our habits. We won't deal with our pornography. We won't deal with our texting. We won't deal with our lustful minds. We won't deal with things that are immoral. What's going to happen? One day we're going to sit and regret and say, man, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I listen? Why didn't I listen to someone who taught me? Why didn't I take the reproof I should have taken? If you don't believe that, just just sit in a few counseling sessions of people that go off into situations. it's, It's regretful. Verse number number 13, and we'll say, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instruct. I didn't listen. I was in almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation, the assembly, and uh, concerns of immorality, character, passion for God. These are things we can fix. Verse number 15, here's the wisdom. Now he says, "Here's here's the terrible thing. Here's what you need to do. He said, drink waters out of thine own cistern, running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of water in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. He said, 
Be, be only with your wife. If you're not married, stay pure, stay right. Not strangers with thee. Don't, don't let that happen. Don't let that get caught up with someone who's not your wife, not your husband. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as loving hind and pleasant roll. Let her breast fat satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? He tells them the wisdom here is rejoice with your spouse. Be satisfied with your spouse. And then embrace your spouse. The enemy of contentment is comparison. I think it's interesting that, that when, Eve, um, when Eve was tempted to eat the fruit in the Garden of Eden, and, and Satan by the snake led her over to that place, that is, that is, she had a whole garden. She could have anything she wanted. And she had, there's one thing she couldn't have. And she, she wasn't content. Discontentment oftentimes leads and frustrations and pulsion, compulsion leads to all kinds of mayhem. So if you're married, he said, I, I want you to rejoice with the one God gave you. If you're married, be satisfied with the one God gave you. If you're married, embrace and love the one God gave you. Why would you be embracing a strange woman? Why would you be embracing someone who's not your spouse? That's the, that's the question that's asked. Look at the last two verses there, verse 21, 22, 23. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. He pondereth all his going. Can you read that with me, everybody, together once again? For the ways of man. Interesting. I, I think that's the key. When you understand that you live in an audience of one, that everything you do, the one, the dirty secret of Satan is that your sin can be a secret. It's not a secret. Because the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. He pondereth everything you're doing. Look at the next verse. This is a terrible thought, but it's so true. His own iniquities, person who continues to do immorality in this case or continues in sin, shall, be take, shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. His, his sin wraps him up and chains him and, 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 and makes him captive. May I say to you, immorality doesn't just bring slavery, it brings shame. Terrible shame and embarrassment and guilt that come with that. The last verse in the chapter, he shall die without instruction. In the greatness of his folly shall he go astray. I think every, every adult needs to get their bell rung tonight as he look at this thing. And ask God, Lord, keep me pure. Whether you're married or you're single, one of the best things you can do is stay pure before the Lord. And pure in your motives, pure in your morals. Let God help you with that. And then pass this on to the next generation. They need to know that morality is pure. It's interesting in this context that he tells them, the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. They haven't built a tow truck to pull them out of it. Get it back, get the traffic back going again. It doesn't happen. And I think we ought to ask God. I want you to pray this evening as we go to prayer that God would help you and God would help those around you. And I, I oftentimes think of our single friends that are here that are faithful servants of Christ. I don't think anybody deserves more honor than those who walk alone with the Lord. But uh, whether you're single or you're married, make sure you're pure. And uh, let's stay, the Bible says flee fornication. Get away from it. 
Don't try to fight it. Don't be a, don't be brave. Be a coward. <laughs> Get away from that stuff. Don't even come near the front door of immorality. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. You never. Your ways are movable. Let's pray together.